Welcome to the Victorious Souls Podcast with self-love coach, Danielle Burnock. Things happen in our lives that make us feel powerless. But Danielle believes that anyone can become a victorious soul by reclaiming what belongs to them, their value, their belovedness, and their God-given superpower. The Victorious Souls Podcast is dedicated to empowering you to rise up, reclaim, and embrace the change from survive to thrive as a victorious soul through the power of love. And now, here's that lady on the internet who loves you, Danielle. Welcome to the Victorious Souls Podcast with me, your host, Danielle Burnack, that lady on the internet who loves you, connecting you to the love that heals so you can love yourself from Survive to Thrive. And today I have with me Debbie Bison, and I can't wait to get into her story. She makes me laugh so much, and she's going to make you laugh too. But let me tell you just a little bit about her. First, she is a mom of four boys who is widowed without warning at age 34. That's so young. That's awful. But she says the depth of her pain was only matched by the depth of God's faithfulness. But now she's remarried and a mompreneur, and she has a passion to help women thrive. Thank you for being on my show today with me, Debbie. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm thrilled. Well, before we get into the bigness of your story, tell us about Debbie before you became a widow, getting married, you have four kids and all the things. Yeah, I actually met my husband right at the tail end of college. We were both in a program to be teachers. So I'm a former fourth grade school teacher, loved the, uh, that time in my life. And I fell in love very quickly with Aaron. It was, we did student teaching in Mexico. So we were in this foreign country, didn't really know the language that well. And so it was, you're kind of clinging together just out of, you know, peace of mind in a new place. But I very quickly had peace that as I was on the rooftop of my host family's house and I was praying about this amazing man I met, I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. I break up with every boyfriend, but at least every boyfriend seems to be an upgrade. <laughs> like so, So who's going to be next is what I'm thinking. And I really felt this peace from the Lord saying it doesn't get any better than Aaron. And it just washed over me. And after that, I was chasing the ring. <laughs> and so we did get married about a year, year and a half after we met. And it was, it was amazing to, I had never met a man so godly in my life that would just pray for his food and pray out loud and go fast every month. So it was an incredible experience to be married to him. And it was like, as soon as that ring hit my finger, I was like, let's have kids, which I didn't even want children. So it was God in action, just kind of having to take over who I am. And so I begged for children for a couple of years. And then the next thing I know, it was like a handshake later. And we had four kids in four years. <laughs> Wow, four kids in four years, bam, bam, bam. Oh, boy. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. So, so then four kids, but two of them are twins, right? Right, yeah. So it was, you know, three pregnancies, very chaotic, very 
zombie time of life where I didn't know what hours on the clock meant. I was always in pajamas covered with bodily fluids, just a hot mess. And that, at that time, we knew the plan was to leave teaching and to be a stay-at-home mom. It was really important to us to make the sacrifices, be there with the kids, you know, in the thick of it, reading books and rolling the ball and all these things. And I, I really cherish those times now because they're in hindsight and I'm not in the thick of toddler days because now these guys are 15 to 19, which is way better. <laughs> way That's a completely different thing. Adolescence and toddler, I mean, they all have their own experience. That's very true. Yeah. And so in 2012, the boys and I went on vacation to Aaron's parents' house. They lived at the coast. And so my husband was going to join us later, have a couple of days with some friends, meet us later. So we said goodbye, drove away in the minivan with the peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in hand. And that's kind of when our personal nightmare started, unbeknownst mm. to us. And I, I, I wish I could have known that as I looked at my husband in the rear view mirror, as we drove out of the driveway, that would be the final time that I saw him alive. Wow. Yeah. I, I'm sure that's very common for people. I wish I would have known. I wish I would have known. Yeah. Well, so, so what happened? So we got to the beach and we're having a great time. I would talk with my husband once or twice during the day. He would talk to the kids and I knew that he was going to be outside a lot. He's, you know, very spontaneous. He's very creative, all of these things and just can't be reined in so much energy. But one morning I had messaged him and he wasn't responding. And I thought, well, okay, he's being bachelor. It's fine. Give him some space, leave him alone. Don't be the nagging wife, be the cool wife. And so I would wait a few hours and then check in. Hey, I haven't heard from you. What are you up to today? So on and so forth. And, and next thing I know, the sun is setting and I haven't heard from my husband. And so at this point, I'm very concerned. I'm, I'm calling a lot. I'm telling his parents, I haven't heard from your son. Like it's past the point of being rude. I'm actually really worried about him. And that's when I decided to call some friends and neighbors and say, hey, have you happened to see Aaron? Do you know where he is? And a really sweet neighbor said, hey, I'll go over to the house. He goes over to the house. He says, I don't see his car. I don't think anybody's home. I'm trying to look through windows and ring the doorbell, but I don't see him. Do you want me to try to look around town for him? And I said, yeah, I'm four hours away. Help me out. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's nothing. Everything is fine. And then he actually found my husband's Jeep behind the school property where he works. So my husband was a PE teacher behind the school is about a hundred acres of woods. Mm. And so my husband being the PE teacher was nothing for him to go to the school on any given day to do any number of tasks, to work on the soccer field, whatever. So he said, I see his car. I don't see him. And he said, this really makes me uncomfortable. I, mm -hmm. I don't want to do this anymore, Debbie. So I'm sorry, you're going to have to like do something different by taking action as in with the police. And so as much as I did not want to do this because it was far too real, I, I called the police and said, I guess I'm filing a missing person report. I don't really know what that means. It's probably nothing. I've never done this before, but I can't find my husband. And they quickly got to work. They knew where his car was, thanks to my friend 
knowing that piece of the puzzle. And very rapidly, a group of friends and family gathered behind the school saying, let's find him. Let's go. He's somewhere probably around this car. Let's just start looking through this hundred acres of farmland. And the police was there. And so as these hours are passing, I'm on the other part of the state. And I said, enough is enough. My mother-in-law, my mother-in-law and I got into the car, drove four hours through the middle of the night. Mm -hmm. And so we're getting to the school property. We're, we're pulling in. It, it's insanity. It's, it's pandemonium. It's a movie set. It's not, there's no way, even today, I can tell you that this was real. The number of police, the number of people looking very solemn and confused. And so at this point, my husband has been missing for 40 hours. And I'm still saying his leg is broken. Everything's fine. He's going to walk out of the woods any minute. I don't doubt it for a second. But as time keeps going on, the police are saying, you know, they had told everybody like, maybe come out of the woods. We're, they had tried search dogs. They had called in a helicopter, getting ready to do the infrared wow. like thermal imaging. They were going to bring in this rookie team and map out the 100 acres and actually have a structured approach to searching the land. But as, as they were on their way, Aaron's sister said, no, I'll just go find my brother because the sun is starting to come up. So now everyone has the gift of some light to be able to see better. She went into the woods and within... Uh, about two minutes, we heard a very two minutes. Yeah, they had been searching hours and hours with dogs and everything, and could find yeah. nothing. And she yeah. went so in in two dogs, minutes. Right. So when the dogs got on the scene, there too many people had been around the car, and they messed up the scent. The dogs mm. could not pick up the scent because it was basically contaminated mm. from so many people's smells. So that that's why they were like, okay, that plan didn't work. So she screams and I froze just a total statue encased in cement yeah. and everybody but me went running and I just, I couldn't move. Yeah. And, and eventually a police officer came to me and said those famous words you see in movies of, I'm really sorry to tell you, your husband is deceased. And so it's still, I'm still in disbelief to say those words but apparently he had been working on his deer stand. He loved to hunt. He had cleared out his own trail. He did not strap himself into the tree that he was working on, which is really not smart. And somehow I have to assume that he lost his balance and fell dozens of feet and, and actually didn't die on impact, that he tried to slide on his back down this trail he made towards the car, probably in his mind saying, I just probably need to get to a doctor. I think I'm pretty hurt. And honestly, we don't have a date of death. I'm not really sure how long it takes to die. <laughs> that part of the death certificate just says unknown because there was such a long span of time of not hearing from him. And so it, it was just this uh, mind-blowing devastation of, I, I kept saying in my mind, my husband is dead. Aaron is dead. My husband is dead. Aaron is dead. As if trying to make it absorb into my brain cells, which it could not. Yeah. And so it was a time where I have never felt such raw primal emotions of this, this is destruction on every level. And I, I couldn't, I couldn't think I couldn't move and was totally paralyzed in numbness having, yeah. knowing I have four hours until 
now my kids are going to be driven home and I'm going to have to tell them. So it was definitely a, a surreal moment. <laughs> wow. And how old were your kids then? They were four, four, seven, and eight. So oh, super so young. Right. Yeah. Like up to your waist kind of size. Wow. So how did you respond to this loss going forward and telling your kids and how did you like survive through this? Yeah. So I, I knew I had four hours to kind of like process as quickly as you can. And I just had to shut other people out. Lots of people were talking to me and I, I was only interested in talking to you know, the investigators, the detectives, the people who ask you if you want them to unzip the body bag they pulled out of the woods. Do you want to see what's in the body bag? Which I chose not to. So I had time to, on the outside, put my hand on Aaron's chest because I needed to confirm that it would not rise and it would not fall and watch him pull away in this van. And so I was taken home. We had to be escorted home because the police said, there's probably going to be media. He's a school teacher. This happened on school property. He's kind of known in the community. We want to protect you because they're allowed to be across the street. So we were escorted home. And I'm sure people in my house, I don't know who was in my house, but I heard, I heard the door close and I heard my kids' voices getting closer to me. Mm. And I had told whoever it was in my house that I don't remember now, I said, please don't interrupt me. Uh, I want I want all of them at once. I don't want to do one-on-one -on -one and be ready because after I tell them, then I need everybody to swoop in and support. And so I sat on the bed, they come tumbling in, <laughs> you know, just like the wild man cubs they are. <laughs> and I, I sat them down and I, I'm praying in those moments, God, bring them back to life. Let them walk through the door. This isn't real. Let me, let me take all of this pain. Give it to me. I'll take it. I'll take all of it times five forever. If you'll just not make me hurt my kids. Mm. He said, no. And so I sat there, like I wanted to like open my mouth and make my tongue move to say the words. I'd never been so physically stunned, but I said, you have to say it. <laughs> you have to say it. And so I looked at them and I said, I need you to not speak and interrupt me. I have terrible things to say to you. And I am very sorry. I love you so much, but your daddy is dead. He has fallen from a tree. He is not coming home anymore. You will not ever see him again, this side of heaven, but he is alive in heaven. And I'm so sorry. If we had known about this, we would have stopped it. And I'll answer any questions you have, but I'm so sorry. And I love you so much. And, and they were stunned. It was- yeah. I see in their eyes, like they're trying to under, even at four years old, I think they understood as well as you can. And so I hugged them and just wept relentlessly. And you know, I said, I'll ask, answer any questions you have. I don't know much. This just happened. And it, from then on, it was, you're being very intentional to inhale and exhale. I didn't know if I could do both. <laughs> I could pick one or the other. It was, it permeates everything, the pain that you feel where everything you look at in your home reminds you of him. Looking at my children reminds you of him. And I, I'm just thinking like, yeah, but we were supposed to die at 99 in our sleep. Like this wasn't the plan. Yeah. This, wasn't, this wasn't something I was prepared for. And so the only thing I can say about how in the world I did not implode and rock in a corner clutching a bottle of whiskey is number one, God, 
that I was anchored to him well in advance, not in the moment. I wasn't trying to build the foundation as the storm is coming down. I was already anchored to him, maybe not as <laughs> perfectly as I should have as a follower. And the second thing is seeing so many people help us keep our chin above water to not drown as that storm happened. I think those two things are the only way in and of myself. No way. There's no way I could have been functional and carried forward. But that's, that's the bigness of God. As deep as our pain was, as hard as it was, God is immensely bigger than that. And I think that's who gets all the credit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But you had told me before that didn't the police start interrogating you and blaming you for the his death, but he fell out oh, yeah. of a tree. What's what's right. that about? Yeah, they're saying, when did you last talk? And so I'm I'm I can recall perfectly. Here's when we talked on the phone. Here's the last time he actually texted me back. I'm like, I love this man with everything. I don't know if you're asking for my alibi as I'm four hours away with his parents. And and they said, you know, does anybody have a reason to basically kill your husband? And I said, I really don't think so. I don't really think that's his personality. Um, he's just a free spirit. He's very kind. He prays for his students, which could risk his job. I just don't believe that's the kind of man he is. And so I'm like, would you like to know the last time we had sex? Would that help answer your question as far as are we getting, are we on the route to divorce or was I out to get some kind of life insurance policy or take his life? So I, I was very in their face saying, you're not going to do this to me. Okay. I, I don't know if you're new. I don't know if you're a rookie or you're an intern. Maybe this is your first big case you're, you're going to stop asking me these questions because I'm willing to run into these woods to find this man that I love and made a family and a future with. So mm -hmm. yes, it was very bizarre. Yeah. I remember you telling me in our, our, when we talked earlier, the difference between your faith before and your faith after. Can you unpack that for us? I think that I have believed in God since I was a tiny, tiny child, because my parents spoke about Jesus as if he was real. It wasn't a felt bored God. It was no, he's real. I knew scripture before I could read and write. So I always believed, believing and being an obedient follower, not the same, not parallel at all. And so I think I had moments where I felt inspired and emotionally connected like, okay, it's convenient. I'm in, I'm a Christian, you know, let's go to Christian camp and, you know, okay, you know, this is the mountaintop experience. But when life was pretty vanilla, I think I'm pretty independent. I think I'm self-sufficient. I'll let you know. I'm, I got you on the corner. I know you're there. My Bible's a little bit dusty, but I'll keep you posted on if there's an emergency. And like I had told you, it's this encased fire extinguisher. I know it's there. All I got to do, crack the glass and, and let's team up. And so even though I had had plenty of hardships along my life, I think there had been times where I had really clung to him and been in that relationship that we're designed to be. But then life gets convenient, life gets complacent. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, again, I'll just wait for the next crisis. Well, here's the, the ultimate crisis. And in those moments, as I'm being told, you cannot go into the woods the wilderness must go in here. It's considered a crime scene. And I'm just waiting for my husband's body to be brought out of the woods. That was when 
as I'm repeating to myself, my husband is dead. I'm simultaneously having this conversation with the Lord going, you allowed this. You are sovereign. You are still good. You are seated on your throne. You're not pacing the floors of heaven over this. This didn't surprise you because you're looking at my husband right now. And he gets to see the face of God right now. And as much as I wanted 60 more years looking at this face, my hands are palms up and empty to you. I'm on my face saying, I got it. I got it. I'm not spinning my universe and I'm surrendering everything to you imperfectly, of course, but saying I'm yours. I'm totally sold out. I will trust you with every moment moving forward because I cannot even conceptualize how there is a moving forward, not even five minutes. And so I think it was that full reliance of like, finally, she gets it. Finally, she's willing <laughs> to submit and, and do this regardless of circumstance, whether times are easy or times are painful, which they have been since the, that devastation, they have been heart-wrenching and happy. And I'm like, no matter what, I want to stay plugged in to the source of life, the creator of everything, the one who calls me friend. Absolutely. So it was, especially in those first few months, as I am walking in this fog, just saying, I'm yours. I'm your, lead me. What do you want me to do with my life? Because I keep messing it up. I keep trying to do it in my own strength. I'm just trying, trying to stay vertical for these kids. And I no longer want a faith that is superficial and distracted. And he's like, all right, let's go. <laughs> and so it's kind of like this linking arms of let's go forward together because he's like, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I'm like, right. I believe that now I, I trust in you. I rely on you because you've always been faithful. And even though my husband left, Jesus won't. And so I think that's what I have held on to is that, is that truth? I'm like, he's with me. He's carrying me through this, through the thick and thin. Wow. Did your kids latch on to God too, through this thing? Because you did it. Did you kind of go as a group together? I, I tried to find the silver linings of, of them losing their dad and me losing my husband saying, what a great opportunity we have to really put our money where our mouth is faith-wise. Let's learn about heaven. What's the Bible say? What's it really like up there? What do you think your dad is doing right now? Because I refuse to pacify their pain. I, I would do spontaneous breakdowns and encourage them saying, you can feel lonely, sad, angry, confused, because they were confused. They said, why didn't you catch him? Why wasn't there a mattress laying on the ground? Why isn't there a magic ring? And I'm like, yeah, yeah all those things. Yeah. Why, why wasn't there a parachute? I don't know. And so it was a nice way to say, let's dig deeper in a way that other kids don't get to do right now because mm -hmm. they have their mommy and daddy at home. So maybe they're not feeling this way. We, we still went to church. We were at church the next Sunday because I was like, this is what life is about. This is about Christ. Everything is to be based on him. And part of that is going to church and, and reading his word and, and praying for them. And they, they would even pray for me when they would see me have a breakdown, they kind of rub my back and say, it's going to be okay, mom. And I would say, could you pray for me? And so there, I never wanted them to rise up as the men of the house. I never wanted them to have elevated responsibility. I told them you're still kids. You're not going to co-parent with me. You don't have extra jobs now. 
God is going to have to fill in the gaps because I'm trying to be two parents, but it's more like one and a half. <laughs> but fast forward to today where they're 15, 15, 17, and 19, I ask them, how are you? I'm good, mom. I'm really good. And while there's been some peaks and valleys, and, and this is hard to admit, three kids love Christ, following him. You know, they have accountability groups. They're witnessing to others pursuing Christian college. I do have one that I have to wonder if losing his dad proved that God is unsafe. God is unpredictable. God allows hard times. God, God invades our boundaries that we've put in stone and he, he knocks them aside because he's like, I don't need your permission because my ways are not your way. So I do have one son that is not a believer, even though as a little kid, when he was about four, he's like, oh yeah, I love Jesus. He got baptized, but somewhere along the way, the doubt crept in and potentially this death made God scary, made God not trustworthy. And I have to, again, because I have learned that God will let your deepest, darkest fears potentially become a reality. I have to say, even though, even though my son doesn't believe you're still a good God. You're still on your throne. You're trustworthy and true. And it keeps my knees dry because I'm in prayer for his salvation saying, everybody has a story we never would have predicted, but he's sovereign. He's like, I got this. Nothing is too hard for me. Remember, it's too hard for you, Debbie, <laughs> too hard for me. And so I have to trust and stay prayerful that I hope you have a great salvation story waiting for you. And I, I can't wait to celebrate that one day, hopefully in the future. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. He is faithful. He is faithful. And yeah, it can feel scary because we don't understand anything. We don't understand is scary. So yeah, but he's always good. So not long after that, it was actually the following year, I believe. You lost your husband in 2012, but then you co-created a thing called Mom Sanity. That was in 2013, right? Yeah. So what I'm is that and how did that happen? <laughs> I'm still in the throes of, you know, grieving, of course, and met with one of my girlfriends for lunch and was just talking about like, life is so hard. And what do I do? What do I want to be when I grow up? This was this opportunity, again, looking for the silver linings of, hey, this is a chapter two. I realized I don't want to go back to the classroom because I don't like kids. <laughs> I just, I had my own litter and I'm like, what, what have I done? I can't handle <laughs> 30. If I can't handle four, I certainly can't handle 30. And so I'm talking, hashing this out with her. And she said, I actually have an idea. I have an idea of helping really busy moms to do their workouts like at home for just a few minutes. And we incorporate Jesus as the foundation to all of it. And we just encourage them. What do you think about being a part of that? And I was like, well, sure, that sounds fine. I, I mean, I have no job right now. I'm a stay at home mom. I've got the time. I need something. I need some kind of purpose in my life. Yes, I will continue to mourn, of course, but I, I wanted to find some kind of fulfillment. And so Mom Sanity was born in 2013. It's called Mom Sanity because all moms are crazy. <laughs> we all need sanity. <laughs> and so our four pillars are motherhood, faith, fitness, and nutrition. So it's a nice way to, we have a membership. It's a nice way to encourage moms to take care of themselves so that ultimately, 
you can carry out Christ's calling in your life for community, for family, because so easy, so easily moms put themselves on the back burner. You know, they're so good at being martyrs, but it's at your own expense. And so we're like, let's, let's find real satisfaction. If you still have priorities of taking care of yourself so that you're not pouring from an empty cup. So since 2013, we've been going strong. It's been an amazing transition to go from stay at home mom to this entrepreneur life. It's, it's very foreign and it's a lot to take in, but I was like, well, apparently I can just take a lot of overwhelm. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it was a year after that, that you started a thing called fit with Deb. How did that, did that come out of the mom sanity thing? Is it just you or it was kind of a parallel situation where I thought, what do I like doing? And I thought, you know, surprisingly, as someone who used to hate sweat, I suddenly fell in love with fitness over the years and thought, what if I just met with women at parks and we did workouts? They they bring their kids. I'll bring all the equipment because moms are so busy. What if I made it convenient? We're just getting some fresh air. The kids are on the jungle gym and mom's getting fit for just a few minutes a day. And so I started doing park workouts. It was so much fun. And over time, it just transitioned to being online because then I could reach more women in more Mm -hmm. locations, like any hour of the day, instead of just a few hours each morning. And so very similar to mom sanity, focusing on fitness and nutrition and, and self-care and stress reduction for busy women who are like, I just want to feel good in my skin. I just want to feel good. I just want to have energy. I want to be able to keep up with my kids and prevent disease. So they were very similar and have both been going for over 10 years now, which is again, just like, I never envisioned this for my future, but I'm very passionate about it. And it's, it's very satisfying to be able to also work from home and still be involved with my kids and not be bound to a desk and office somewhere else. So I can still take kids to the doctor's office or go to a soccer game, things like that. So I really enjoy it. That's awesome. In there somewhere in that last 10 years, you also got remarried. How did that happen? Right. So it's the craziest story of, and it goes back to Aaron being missing in the woods. When, when friends and family were looking for hours for their friend, this guy named Jason stayed in the woods with another friend named Chris. And as the police called everybody out, they're like, okay, things are Things, things are not going well. We don't want people to see things they shouldn't see. So they pull everybody out. Well, Jason and this other friend, no, they just ignored the police. And they're like, no, we're going to find our friend. Like these are the, these are the friends that are in it to the depths. And so they walked through as much of the hundred acres as they could through, I think about seven hours just going through swamps, going through cornfields, going everywhere, because they said, there's some urgency here. We need to find our friend. If he's hurt, time is of the essence because we need to get him fixed. And so they're looking for him. Ironically, as Aaron's sister stumbles upon seeing her brother dead on the ground, Jason at that time was only a few yards away. He And he, I think he wanted in hindsight to be able to take that pain from Tabitha. If he could have spared her from that trauma, I think he would have. 
but he didn't get there fast enough. And I think this is, again, God orchestrating his perfect plan. Mm. And so I, I, <laughs> it's so bizarre that, you know, my husband's passing and his funeral and multiple different celebrations of life. I was reconnecting with a lot of Aaron's friends. They were doing so many amazing things. They were spreading his ashes. They were cleaning out my gutters. So many different things that they did out of love for their friend. And through that process, I reconnected with Jason, who I had done church small group with for years. I, I go back to, he remembers when I was pregnant with my first child, he was like, you are so grouchy and huge. <laughs> so we had done life for Let's such put a that inside your body and see if you're grouchy. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was miserable. And oh, I was miserable. I was, I was, I was not a happy pregnant person. Yeah, it's not glorious. <laughs> so we just kind of reconnected and he said, Hey, you know, I'd love to bring your family dinner, you know, and he's thinking, I just want to help out my friend's family. You know, I just, this is weird that, you know, poor Debbie was widowed and these kids are so young. And it's just, again, God being at work. Cause I know people had prayed, you know, as this funeral's happening, I know that they had said, Oh Lord, help Debbie to find someone else. You know, she's in her thirties, you know, like she's young. My mother-in-law has said, you're free to love again. Please know we encourage this. We want you to have that ability to move forward with someone else, which I never wanted. I didn't dream of it. I, I was like, nobody wants me. I'm tarnished. You know, I'm old. I got a bunch of kids. Nobody's interested in that. And I need to get my significance from the Lord. I need to stop doing that, you know, with someone else, but God, God and his infinite <laughs> wisdom started helping us to reconnect as friends. And I'm like, this is, this, what am I doing? Why do I suddenly feel weird around my friend? And as I learned later, he's having this internal battle of how am I looking at my friend's wife like this? And so there was a long stretch where we would spend time together but I felt extremely guilty. I felt like I was cheating on my husband. I felt like a mistress. I wanted no one to know. Don't let people at church know. Don't sit together. Act like you've never seen each other before. Don't tell the kids, you know, tell three people. And so, but it was, it was unstoppable. And I know that people said, well, of course she needs a rebound. It, you know, she's lonely. I understand that. I probably would have made those same assumptions, but knowing that I had pushed all chips in with the Lord, I was like, listen, if I'm an error pointed out to me and, and Jason is at his house praying like, Lord, take this from me. This feels bananas. <laughs> it, was, it was like, just, we were so magnetized together and it was such a good fit that over time, you know, I'm telling him I'm in love with two men as I'm crying on his shoulder. I miss my husband. And he said, if I could bring him back, I would. Of course, you're in love with two men. It would be weird if you didn't. And so he was always supportive right. of how are you holding up? How can I help? And how ironic that he could then tell my sons camping stories about their dad that I would have never known. He went wow. camping with him and did life with him so much that he was able to get to a point after we had been dating for a while and started talking about marriage, which I thought, what am I doing? Is this, is this really my destiny to be married twice? You know, I, I never would have forecasted that. And he said, what my friend started 
I want to finish and I want to finish it well. I want to finish in a way that would have honored Aaron and that honors God. And he's like, that's a heavy responsibility. He's like, because this man, he's like, if I could bring him back and come out of the picture, no question, I'm out. And so oh, that's, that's powerful character. Yeah. Right I'm there. A, a man who has, has that kind of, I, I don't even have words for that. That's a man to honor your previous husband actually knew him at the same time. That is, that's, that's powerful. I'm stuttering because it's yeah. just really amazing. That's not a person who comes by every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it, it was a lot to uh, incrementally adjust to loving again and, and feeling young. And how is this work when you have kids? And thankfully Jason didn't have kids because that would have been a deal breaker. Like I appreciate it. Talk to you later. <laughs> but it was just, it was all I can say is it was God answering the prayers of countless people who had said, let her love again. And he was like, I will. I think people were kind of hesitant, like, well, not yet. Maybe just let her love again. And God's like, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't consult you guys for, my, you know, the way I weave my tapestry. I can do that. I like that. I'm sorry. I don't consult you guys. I'm God. You're not right. Remember that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, Jason made his intentions clear very at the very beginning. He said, I don't want to be uncle fester. I'm not here to just bring your family groceries. I, I want to be a part of this family. And so we got married in 2014 and I, I feel, how did I hit the jackpot twice in life? I don't know because I have now been able to say I've been married to two amazingly godly men that God absolutely gifted me with that I don't deserve. Wow. That is quite a story and a testament to the love and grace of God because Life is hard. People go through hardships. It's just what color hardship is yours and what way does yours shake out? And we can measure them, which is not wise because then we compare. But he's faithful in that, especially if we will grab for him. That gives him the opportunity to be even more to us because we're saying, yes, please. I, my hands are open here, please. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Wow. So your um, mom sanity thing, you said it's a membership. Is that an annual thing or is that open all the time for it's people? It's open all the time. Yeah, it's a monthly, like no contract kind of thing. We actually have some women who've been in there from day one back. I mean, they've been with us for 10 years where we can say, how can we pray for you today? And we, we're always adding new workout videos and just offering some encouragement at our core is definitely Jesus. Whether people realize that or not, I'm not sure, but we're like, this is all for him. We want to glorify him in, in lots of different ways and take care of the bodies that these were paid for with a price. And so we want to honor the Lord with the choices that we're making. So yeah, it's open to anybody. Our our website is mymomsanity.com and, and we have lots of, of free things, lots of blog posts about faith and, and God, and even some about grief. So, yeah. Wow. That's awesome. So is there anything you want to make sure the listeners know before we bring this to a close? Well, I'd love to connect. I do blog about my faith and 
and my grief at, it's a long website, but it's debbiewilkinsbasedin.com. If, if you or somebody you know is kind of in this valley, I would love to connect and, and encourage, offer any support that I can. Maybe my words will resonate. I'm not sure whatever God has in mind, but I would love to do that. I think I always like sharing my favorite Bible verse, which is from the infamous Proverbs 31, but the verse 25b, which says she can laugh at the days to come. It just, I don't know, it just ministers to me. And, you know, even if we are going through the the darkness and the the unknown future, it's like, but it's an unknown future, but God knows all about it. He's in charge. And just to know there is joy possible, even though we will have pain, there is also that joy. Wow. That reminds me, there's a verse, I believe it's in Job. It says at famine and destruction, you shall laugh. Hmm. See, he encourages us. He he will bring us into joy again, says that he will turn our mourning into dancing. So if we'll offer those up to him, he collects our tears and he can turn it into joy if we will let him. Right. Yeah, exactly. I love that. That's a good verse. <laughs> and people can connect with you. Are you on different socials too, or your website? I'll have the links in the show notes for sure. Yeah, but... I think um, probably the, I, I'm on everything. <laughs> it's like everywhere. So uh, you can definitely look for me. I, I love all the social media platforms, but those two websites, as well as fitwithdeb.com. And pr- from there, you can kind of find all of the, the social media aspects since it's a lot to list out. <laughs> I would love to connect and, and, and meet new people. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being with us today, Debbie, and sharing your story, the, the heartbreak and the joy, and then the funny things. I still love that fire extinguisher. God just break glass in case of emergency, <laughs> you know, but he's, he's, Good that he even does that when we are behaving like that because he loves us so much. And then he'll coax us and pursue us back into, you know, fullness if we will let him. Absolutely. That, that's well said. And, and I just appreciate being able to be a guest today. It's such an honor. Oh, thank you. And you, my listeners, thank you for being with us today. Look up Debbie and connect with her so you can get fit with Deb and Read things that will encourage you and always remember, I love you. Thank you so much for listening to the Victorious Souls podcast. You matter and you are loved. We'd love to connect with you further. So please visit us at daniellebernock.com and grab a copy of Danielle's free audiobook. And remember, Only you can change your life. No one can do it for you.